Hey, and welcome to the Step Over Podcast, Ottawa's grassroots soccer podcast. My name is Josh. Thanks so much for joining. It's been a little while. Have you done something with your hair? I love it. No notes. Keep doing what you're doing. You look fantastic. I've got a great chat lined up today with uh, Basil Phillips, who is the head coach of Algonquin College's women's soccer program, which is returning after a two-year hiatus. Obviously, in 2020, everything got canceled. Uh, in 2021, Algonquin decided to not field the team uh, for that college season. So I'm really looking forward to checking out some college soccer action at Algonquin. Um, and, and this was a great opportunity for me to, to find out, you know, how things are going, what that's like to, to you know, come back from, from two years off. So I hope you really enjoy this chat with Basil. But first, I wanted to touch on, um, if you've been paying attention to CPL action, you might have noticed... Carlton Ravens alum Gabby Bittar scored an absolute banger of a goal in what was a 3-1 loss to Cavalry, um, but his goal really stood out. Uh, it was just phenomenal, and he's been making a name for himself uh, this whole season, but that goal really was like an exclamation point. And as I've been seeing Gabby turn into this like integral player for FC Edmonton this year, you know, got me thinking about the U Sports draft. He was eligible for this year. And if you caught the 2022 draft preview uh, that I participated in uh, with Capital City Supporters Group with Eddie Benhin and Brandon Adebay, his name did come up as a player to watch. He didn't get drafted, um, but after the draft, he was signed to a professional contract by FC Edmonton. Turned out to be a pretty good idea, but it kind of got me thinking about the value of of the U Sports draft. Because, you know, Gabby was actually the first person ever drafted in a U Sports draft. He was drafted twice uh, in 2018 and 2019, both times by Cavalry. In 2018, he was signed to a developmental contract, which was great for them uh, because the CPL has has a rule where every team uh, needs to play a certain number of, of U21 minutes. And for the 2019 season, I believe Gabby would have been about 20. So his minutes would have gone towards that. And I think there's potentially, that could potentially be um, the greatest source of value in the U Sports draft is the developmental minutes. You know, that's the idea behind the U21 rule is to give players that are developing, kids that are in U Sports, time in a pro environment, you know, to help them improve. But I do think it needs adjusting because we've seen time and time again um, players from U Sports at other similar levels, um, you know, struggle to make that leap to the CPL. You know, in a way, it's actually great to see um, that it is such a big leap from, you know, say U Sports and League One to the CPL. Um, you know, it's not an easy transition. That's that's not a bad thing, I guess. You know, if the CPL has proven anything in a short time, it's a good league. You can be highly touted coming out of U Sports and absolutely struggle coming to the CPL. Now, I think there's massive value in the draft, and we have seen some players break through, but I think that there's some tweaking that needs to be done. You know, there's so many players playing U Sports soccer who are older than 21, um, and teams I don't think are going to look at any of them. Um, because I just don't think that there's any point. I think the primary way that teams look at the draft is a way to get a free look at some players who could maybe help them fill that U21 qualification. But I think as it stands right now, the rule is kind of robbing a lot of players from U Sports who might actually have an easier time making that jump uh, from getting a shot in the league. You know, I know the scouting is extremely rudimentary uh, in the CPL. Teams don't have the resources to look across U Sports. Organizations that they work with don't have the do not have the resources to look across U Sports. 
that draft preview special that I, that we did with the Capital City Supporters Group, we know of teams that uh, are in League One who watch that uh, for ideas for players of players to look into because the scouting infrastructure just isn't it, it's not there. Now I think that Gabby got his shot a because he was just a, a standout player. He'd already had CPL eyes on him um, thanks to his time with Cavalry and Tommy Wilden. But given that, you know, this past year uh, for the 2022 draft, like 150 players or something like that declared, um, but only 16 could could get chosen. I think there's room to expand it. Um, I think we need it to have at least two more rounds and either increase the age of the players who qualify for minutes, you know, maybe make it a U23 or a U24 qualification and, you know, increase the minutes or something or hell, keep it at U21, uh, but also anyone uh coming into U-Sports qualifies no matter the age because I guarantee you there are there are 23 24 year old players 25 26 even who just are not getting looks even though they are absolutely gamers out there in that age range and some who may actually be able uh you know to make that jump to the CPL maybe a little bit easier uh just because of their age and hey we're about to to uh chat with Basil Phillips who's who's uh coach in in the OCAA, uh, which is college in Ontario, something we do touch on is, hey, maybe we add college players to that because there are some fantastic college players too. Um, Atletico Ottawa with Zakaria Bau just played college last year and doing okay right now lately. Ottawa's U21 minutes kind of rely on him right now. So so, <laughs> so I hope he does okay. And with that, I'm not going to waste any more time. Uh, here's my chat with Basil Phillips. So we're here with Basil Phillips, head coach for uh, the Algonquin Wolves women's soccer program. Basil, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, so what I ask everyone first when they come on uh, is, uh, you know, how did you get, first get started with the sport? Like, how did you first get into soccer? Into soccer? Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> well, I've been playing since I, was, since I was a child. So I started youth soccer way back, you know, many, many years ago and um, continued playing all through all through uh, high school and, uh, and then into university. Uh, um, when I went to, I went to Carleton University and I okay. played varsity soccer there as well um, for five years. So I've always been involved in the sport. And while I was at, you know, finished, while I was at Carleton playing, that's when I started to get into, um, into coaching a little bit as well. And then the coaching just con- uh, continued as, uh, as I've gone on. Okay. So like, what was it about coaching that kind of drew you to that side of things? Um. I like. To, I think I like. I like the instruction. I like. I like. I like teaching. I like having people learn. I have, like having people, you know, improve, get better, um, and enjoy the sport. Like I like want people to enjoy the sport as, I, as I've enjoyed the sport. So, um, did you have a favorite player or like team when you when uh, you were growing up? Um, when I was growing up, I would say not so much. I because I didn't. Well, there wasn't a lot of football that was being shown on TV at that point in time, right? You got the odd game. You know, you'd see World. Up and things like that so you know you get drawn to clubs drawn to players like you know like Pele Maradona you know players like that um but then as you know as it came on then you got into seeing more teams and things play so I got drawn to Manchester United I think probably because it was one of the teams that got shown a lot but I got drawn to them so they became my favorite team and you know wearing their jersey right now um <clears throat> but yeah so that's that would be my favorite team and now I don't I don't necessarily follow like a favorite player. Like there's 
there's a whole number of players. There's so many players that do different things. So, yeah, I just, yeah, there's many players that I, that I uh, like at this point. Okay. As a kid, was there like a Manchester, uh, was there a Manchester United player that you, uh, you know, would like pretend to be or, you know, would try to emulate? No, like I said, like as a kid, I was, it was probably more so um, Pele was probably my okay. favorite growing up. Um, so again, like World Cup and national things were the only things that you would see. So Pele became, you know, sort of the the interest that I had in terms of a player. And, you know, I was a forward. I wore number 10. That was been my number the whole time. I was much the same as him. And when Maradona came on, um, somewhat similar, same number different country but also a great player but yeah i was always um i think yeah as as a growing up it would probably be pele the player okay so were you more of an attacking player yeah i was a striker yeah i was a striker yeah has that um has that translated to you know a more attacking style of coach or or what kind of coach are you um what kind of coach um (laughs) yeah i wouldn't say more of attacking style. like i it's one of the things i i find as a coach, like I've always, you know, I've always tried to learn the game. I've tried to, you know, study the game, improve myself in the game. So my big philosophy with coaching is I try to coach um, to the strengths of the players that I have. So, you know, I, I don't get locked into a system and say, okay, we're going to play this system and the players are going to learn and play this system. I'll find a system that says, okay, with the players that we have, if we play, you know, system X, that's going to be the best for us. It's going to show us the most success. So, yeah. And, and in terms of coaching, like, you know, it might be attack, it might be defense, but I, like I try to, again, try to be well-rounded in terms of all aspects of the game so that, you know, at any point in time, you know, you can shift and, and do whatever you need to do. Uh, so you're the head coach of the women's program at Algonquin. Yeah. Um, how long have you been coached there? Um, so I guess technically this is my fifth season that I'm going into. So I started in, um, well, I got hired late. Like I got hired in August of 2018. So right, essentially right before training camp started that, that year is when I came on. So I just was came into a program didn't know what I was getting, didn't know players, didn't know anything, if anybody was returning or anything like that. Um, so I had that season, um, had the 2019 season as my second season. And then the 2020 season is, was the one that was cut short or cut, not cut short. It was, that was the one that was canceled. So this is my fifth season that I'm entering into. Um, been in the job since August of 2018, but this is going to be my third season actually on the field. Okay. And like, what drew you to the Algonquin job? Um, well, it was available to be frank. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, like I've, I've always aspired to, to, um, to coach at, at a higher level. So, you know, I, mean, I was coaching in the city in the women's premier for, for quite some time, did some men's premier for a little bit, but mainly in the women's premier. Um, so I've always, like that aspect, but always wanted to coach at that higher level and, and that higher level of commitment and, and, and attitude. So, um, yeah, when the job came available, yeah, I applied and, and fortunately I was uh, hired for it. So Algonquin participates in the Ontario Collegiate Athletic Association or the OCAA. Yeah. Um, so obviously in 2020, everything shut down, um, but the OCAA did run a 2021 season. Balgonquin was one of a few schools that chose not to participate. So after two years, soccer is finally back at Algonquin. Um, yeah. And I think that's this for the first time as the Wolves, not the Thunder anymore. Um, sure. How does it feel to have 
you know, like, how's it feel for you just to have a season that like, you know, you have a season to look forward to again? Um, yeah, it, feel, it feels great. Like, as you said, like we've, we've been out of it for, for two years now. So for two years, you know, I've been, you know, in behind the scenes trying to, you know, trying to attract players to, to come to Algonquin, trying to get players in, but, you know, but with nothing, you know, tangible, like, you know, the, the COVID season of 2020, there's always that outlook, okay, well, next season we're going to have something. So you're, you know, everybody's looking forward to that. When that season got canceled, then it's like, okay, but now we're looking forward to 2022. But you have a lot of players, you know, hesitant, skeptical, you know, not sure because we've been out of it for, for so long. So I think it's great for, for players and also for the coaches that I have. You know, we're all excited that finally we're going to get back on the field and, and do some coaching and compete again. For the players that, you know, were able to compete with Algonquin in 2021, when other teams were, I'm trying to think the best way to like ask this. Um, was that detrimental to any player developments or like, how do you think that affected them? It was, it was tough. Like, um, like right now coming into this, this season, this year, we essentially, I don't think there's might be one, we don't have any returning players. So essentially yeah. a brand new roster of, of players coming in. And, you know, there were players that were recruited for the 21 season, but a lot of them graduated because, you know, pros out of Algonquin are two years, so they're already graduated or, or some of them went to different schools because other schools were playing. So, yeah, like I think, you know, on their mental psyche, like I think it affected them a lot not having that season, especially seeing other, other schools playing last season. So, um, you know, my hope is that those players will still, that are still at the school will still be a part of the program, still come out and still look to compete. But, you know, when your program is two years and you've been in, you know, COVID year and then a canceled year, you're done. So, so there's players that have come to the school that never got a chance to play, but now they're gone. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough situation for sure. It Like, it seems like you're building a brand new program from scratch. And what's that been like behind the scenes? Like, um, has it, like, has it been harder to, to attract players this past Absolutely. year or yeah. yeah. Absolutely, because like some of the younger players don't follow all, everything, so they don't, won't necessarily know. But there's players, and then there's talk of like you know some players will know. Okay, they didn't have a season, so you know why am I going to sign there if I'm not sure they're going to have a season? So, so um, yeah, it's been it's been extremely difficult because it, it's because it, up until I'll say up until we got confirmed like this this earlier this year that we we're going to have the season that's going to be going forward like for sure there's still some doubt in people like, okay, are we going to have it? Because, you know, last year when they canceled, it was canceled. You know, we found out in May, you know, that the season was, was not going to have or early June that the season wasn't going to happen. So everybody sort of, you know, is it going to happen again? Not going to happen again, but yeah, like the program has never been in a situation other than when it first was in, it started to be started from scratch. Like every year you usually have at least, you know, a couple of players, handful of players that are going to continue the program and it runs year to year. But this year, essentially we're looking for, you know, 20 to 25 quality players to start building the program again. So um, at this point, do you have any players that are like locked into the roster? No, <laughs> no, no, it's, and it, it's, it's, yeah, like it's difficult. Like I have, 
I have players that are interested. I have players that I know that are going to be coming out. Um, but, you know, nothing is locked in because we, we also haven't been able to do much in the way of training over the last two years. So having that as an aspect as well also affects, you know, seeing players. So, you know, I get to see some players through, you know, showcases and recruiting, you know, videos and things like that, but never in a, in a, you know, a close, a closer look at it for, to say, um, to look at them to say, okay, how are they going to be as a, as a collegiate player? Right. So, you know, basing it on, it's tough to base your decision on a player on highlights, right? Because anybody can cut a highlight video and, and make themselves look outstanding. Right. So it's a matter of, okay, what else does this player bring? And so you, you start to, you, you wonder a little bit, but then you hope that once you get them into camp, then you can actually see. So it's a tough look. Like it's a, it's a hesitant look in terms of what we have and, and, you know, we, we just don't know what we're going to have until we actually get into training camp in August. Okay. Um, so for people who don't know um, a lot about the OCAA level, um, and that 100% includes me. Yeah. Um, what kind of experience do the players have? Like, you know, outside of college, do they play with, you know, mostly local clubs, League One Canada level teams? Like, but, um, you know, what level are those, are those players generally at? Um, you'll get... Um, you'll get a range, I, I find. I'll okay. say, it, and it's a bit of a broader range than you will get in university, I'll say. Um, but it's very comparable to the university level, to youth sport level in terms of players, in terms of where they play. So you'll get everything from, from League One to local, you know, premier leagues to, you know, youth coming up, OPDL, um, those, type of, those types of levels. Um, but you also will get players that, haven't played for you know a couple of years for whatever reason coming back into the sport um some players that just play you know regional club you know not necessarily that upper echelons of their club in terms of level as well so you'll get a range um you know and most of those are those that are being recruited in most of those are the ones that are going to be the walk-ons that have come in you know because when with recruiting you're generally looking at those those upper level players and and trying to compete for those players with, with every other school, essentially. Um, again, to help fans who, who maybe haven't followed the, the OCAA before, like who are a few other teams besides Algonquin um, that maybe you expect to be difficult teams to play this coming season? Yeah, I, I, I'd probably be, you know, putting my foot in my mouth if I didn't say everybody. Okay. <laughs> fair, like, fair. Because quite frankly, like every other team that's in the league, as other than Cambrian, um, which is from Sudbury played last year, right? So every other team has had a, has had a season has had, has been, you know, they had the one season shut down, but has had a season under their belt after that to keep things going. So yeah, every, I, I expect every team, every game is going to be a, a tough one for us this coming season. Um, the top teams in our division tend to be, cause we're in the East division. So OCAA right now runs the East West division and we're in the, um, in the East division top teams, generally Seneca, College is, is generally one of the top teams. Durham is usually a pretty good team. They're usually up there as well. Um, I'll say St. Lawrence had a, had a, I'll say surprising to, to a lot of people, maybe not to them, but to a lot of people, they had a surprisingly successful season last year, medal that in at provincial. So um, yeah, like I think those, those three would probably be definitely on the, on the top end of, of teams to worry about. But, but as far as I'm concerned, 
yeah, we haven't played in two years. Brand new team without knowing what we have. I expect every one of our 10 games to be a tough one. Okay. Uh, you know, with every other team, you know, coming off a season and and you're not, you know, that does seem like, you know, the team's a, a bit behind the eight ball. Um, so as a coach, do you have any, like any specific goals, or like expectations for the Wolves, you know, for 2022? My expectations, I think, don't change. Um, I guess there's, there's my expectations and I guess there'll be realistic expectations. <laughs> my <laughs> expectations is always going to be, you know, we want to win provincials. We want to go to nationals, win nationals. Um, I think realistically, is is to make the uh the provincial tournament um that would probably be i won't say the ultimate goal but i think that's probably the most the big goal and realistic goal for us is to, okay. to make it there and then from there then anything can anything can happen at that point in time but i think you know like i said a realistic goal would be for us to make that provincial tournament the final okay game. like what has to happen for for you to qualify for that tournament like like is there a placing yeah so um the way the OCAA works um, for playoffs, and it's it's a fairly generous um, system. So we have eight, nine, ten teams in our division. Um, so we but we play a ten a ten uh, game season. So the top eight teams essentially make the make playoffs in each division, and then your playoff first round of playoffs is a crossover game with the West with the other division. So one plays eight, two plays seven, etc. East versus West. So if you're in the top half of your division, first top four, you'll get a home game in the playoffs. You're in the bottom half, then you have you're on the road for the playoffs. So if you win the, that game, then those teams that win, those eight teams that win, go to the provincial tournament, um, which is being held at Durham this year, because um, Durham is the host for it. Will be held at Durham, and then you play in the provincial tournament based on your seating. And again, it's a one versus eight two versus seven format at, at provincials. Okay. Um, so you are looking for players to join the Algonquin Wolves training camp, uh, which starts August 15th. Um, yep. Who can join and how? Um, well, anyone can join. <laughs> you know, like I said, we're looking for the best 25, 20 to 25 players we can get. So anybody can join. Um, how would be, ideally they would contact me um, and, and let me know that, that they're interested and my, you know, my information is up is up on the Algonquin Wolves website on the on the soccer page. There's also a registration form on the Algonquin page that you can fill out, and that information will eventually get sent to me as well as the coach um, for contact. But, um, but even you know, but even outside of that, you, you can just you know, if you're interested, you can they can just show up on August 15th and at six o'clock, and you know, have their have their kit ready to go and and try out. So. It's, it's pretty open. Um, and so my last question, um, when the season starts, uh, if anyone wants to come out and check a game, um, is that possible? Is that something they can do? Um, like can people outside of Algonquin come to campus and, and watch? Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, the field, it's open. Um, there is a fee for tickets. Um, I'm not sure how much they are, but they're generally not super expensive, um, especially comparable to some of the um, U Sport uh, menus. But it, it's relatively inexpensive. But yeah, anybody can come out. We always all our home games are at um, the Algonquin Soccer Facility, which is on campus. Um, we play all our games there. It's a great facility, actually. And to be to be honest, it's one of the one of the better ones in the in the uh, province. Um, so we play our games there. Yeah, it's totally open for anybody to come watch. Um, our schedule's already out and, and out there. So 
you know, we know when we're going to have our games at this point in time. So yeah, it's, it's available. You know, anybody that's, you know, that's listening and, and checking it out is just, is knowing that the level of soccer is, is quite high. It is, like I said, it is comparable to, to university, to youth sport um, levels. Um, I think some people see the college game as, as a lesser, as a lesser league in some respects, um, kind of the same as they see university at, you know, education wise is higher than, than college university uh, education. You know, again, they're comparable depending on what it, your interests are. And I think when it comes to, to the, to the soccer that's being played, it is, it is very comparable. So I think if anybody's interested in, in coming out and playing, I think they should really consider it as a, as that next level, because it is next level of football for sure. Do you think that, um, you know, because there's the CPL U Sports draft, do you think that there's ever going to be like a like a college version as well, you know, like on the men's side at least? Because I feel like that's elevated U Sports a little bit. It has. And I like I would like I would you know, I would like to see, you know, if the if the CPL is going to have a draft like that, like I would love to see like the college players just included in that draft. Like it just doesn't have to be like a college draft per se, but just a they're, they're going to have a, you know, like I said, a U sport draft and they have U sport college, like, you know, draft because like a post-secondary draft. Exactly. Yeah. Because there are a lot of players that play at the, at the college level that could play at that level. There are, they're just, you know, but again, it gets overshadowed because it just doesn't get the same sort of recognition um, across the city, across the country. Like you look at a team, like, especially on the men's side, look at a team like Humber, which is, I think, uh, you know, back to back national champions at this point in time, they got a lot of players that play, you know, top level in the, in the Toronto area. Like, and there's a lot of players there that could, that probably can play or probably some of them that do that play at that, at that CPL level. So it is, it's there. There are players that can be there. It's just a matter of them being identified and, and, and taken more seriously for sure. Well, I mean, even just in Ottawa, like you know, as one example with Atletico Ottawa, Zakaria Bau played with Champlain, which is you know a college in the Quebec, Quebec version of yep. the OCAA, whatever that's called. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but you know, he's you know he's uh, continuing to uh, you know progress. So you know, just you know, an example of of uh, college players, you know, being Absolutely. good enough, really. Yeah, and there are there's, there's many, and then and some, and again, like some some players will choose. Um, their pathway based on how they're going to get identified, right? So they may have an interest education-wise as something that's more suited at the college level, but they'll go to university because they figure that university soccer is going to be better soccer. That's what's going to get me identified to get me, you know, even next level and beyond that. Whereas they can still play at a top, you know, college program and do well and be identified if those those measures are in place. But it's, um, but it's again, it's on everybody in at that level to be able to look at everything to see, okay, yeah, these players can can do it at this at this point. Basil, uh, that's all the questions that I have for you. Thanks so much. Some- Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That was my chat with Basil Phillips. I hope you enjoyed it. If you liked what you heard, or you know what, even if you didn't, like, subscribe to the Step Over Podcast, leave a review, or a dirty limerick, whatever you want. For this episode, that is all I got for you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to leave you with the audio uh, from Gabby Bittar's goal. His first in the CPL, I believe. Uh, Audio care of one soccer. Until next time, we'll see you. Bittar turning, shooting. What a goal. Oh, my word. Pick that out. And they've got their goal before halftime from absolutely nothing. 
and Gay Pitar flashes it into the top corner. Carducci never saw it, and the Eddies are back in this game. Pitar, I told you, he has something to prove, and what a strike, what a goal. He just picked this team up and put him on his shoulders. What a goal, what a goal. Sorry, Carducci had no chance.